So I want to look at this fascinating piece, which is based on a piece from Rav Tzadik. Um, this is a person, I don't know who this, this individual is, this uh, Rabbi Weinroth, in which he put out a few Sawar and Chumash, which are called the Or, the Or Hamaral, the Or Sazemis, the Or Rav Tzadik. He has these expressions, he has a, a mimer from that, from them, which he takes and he expands on it a little bit and explains it a little more than just the, the piece from, from the original source. This is a piece from Rapsodic. Rapsodic was a, a Chesidish Rebbe, a Talmud of the, the Gaza of Chesidish called Izbitzer, Izbitz, which is connected somewhat loosely to the Kotsk, that, 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 that approach. Um, a little more um, Kabbalistic in that regard, but a little bit. But so um, he wrote multiple letters for him. He has on Chumash, he has uh, ten swarm of Makshava, Makshava slash Kabbalah, all of them very fascinating. So in this week's Parsha, uh, Parsha Tetzava, so he uh, it's obvious that I'm ready, ready to be sure and point out the fact that Mashabin's name is, is not mentioned in the Parsha Tetzava. So from the time Mashabin was born and onwards, there's no Parsha where Mashabin's name is not mentioned except for Parsha Tetzava. Starting from, from the time Mashabin was born in Parsha Shmos, Mashabin's name is in every single Parsha except for Parsha Tetzava. Um, the Parsha talks to Mashabin and says, Vyatso and you. Mashabin is talking to Mashabin and he says, and you should tell Christ with this, and you should tell Christ with that, you should do this, you should do that. Never says it never says Moshe's name. Um, so why is that? So the there's a famous piece from the 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 Balaturim. So the Balaturim says that um, in Parsha's Kisiso. Uh, Parshas Kisitsa, Moshe Benu tells Hashem, "If you destroy Klai, if, if you save Klai, so fine. If not, remove remove me from the safer." So he gave himself as it were a klolo. So Chazal said that a klolo's chacham, even Hashemai, still has an effect. See, even though Moshe Benu made this klolo that he should be removed. On the Tanah, the Bershom was, if the Bershom was not Merkel Kleisel, which Hashem was Merkel Kleisel, the point being, Bershom says, if you're going to destroy Kleisel, take me out of the picture. He, Hashem did not destroy Kleisel after the Chet Eagle. But the fact that he, as it were, said he should take them out of the picture, it was Niskayim and Parshat Titzab. In Parshat Titzab, Moshe was taken out of the picture. There's no Moshe Rebbeinu. No Moshe Rebbeinu. Um, that's the Baal term says. Um, so Ritzel wants to, wants to, to to try and explain. It still doesn't. It's not, now, why Parshas Tetzava? What is there about Parshas Tetzava? This is the place where it's going to go into effect. Uh, it could have been went, went to effect any Parsha theoretically, and then now it's it's, it's over here specifically. Uh, obviously, this works. This the soap shot works along the lines of Rashi. According to Rashi, the the chronology of the Parshas. Is not an order. According to the chronology of the parshas, is, is an order. So, parshas, the the conversation of parshas the Sabbath took place before the Chet Ego, according to the Ramban. According to Rashi, 
Parshas Shumas, Parshas Tzavah actually took place after the Chet Egel. So even though it's placed in the Torah beforehand, the chronology is, is, is not like that. So according to this explanation is assuming, like Rashi, that this Parsha took place after the Chet Egel. After the Chet Egel, when the Parshas was, was Marcha Klai Yisrael, then there was a, that's when the, the, command, the command to make the Mishkan was given. And that whole process started the, the building of the Mishkan. So the Shumat and Tzav, which are the building of the Mishkan, came in the aftermath of the, the, the Chet Egel. That's important to look like that as well. Based on the Pasuk, then the Parshish Yisra, where, where he says, So the Torah describes that the Parshish's presence could be anywhere in the world. So that was after Matan Torah, before Chet Egel. That any place in the world, there's no need for Mesa Mikdash. There's no need for a specific place. Kleisel's perception of Kodesh Baruch Hu anywhere in the world would be sufficient to have the, the equivalent of, of a Mesa Mikdash. When Kleisel did the Chet Egel, that Matrega was lost. And then when Russian was Kleisel, the Russian put his presence in Kleisel through something, as it were, more tangible through the Mishkan. And that came in the wake of the Chet Egel. This is what explains it. So we're going with that, this, this approach, and this is, came in the wake of that, so therefore that, Shemesh had taken upon himself a, a, a form of, of self-negation, that he should be, be removed from the safer as if he didn't exist. This is the place he's going to be, but why was simply over here? Uh, so that's the, um, that's the question. Um, okay. So that's the first two pages. Um, that's 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 the Bible term. So on the, 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 the on the second page, on the bottom, the Sadok says, "Yeshlam and Lomin is kaima klalazu dafka parshazu." Okay, so why was this club that Moshe Rabbeinu undertaken upon himself? Why was it? Why was it fulfilled over here? Um, um, second half of the question, he says, Moshe Rabbeinu's point was like this: What did he mean in Parshas Kisisa? Says. Hashem, you asked me to take Klai Yisrael Mitzrayim. You asked me to lead them. If you're Michael Klai Yisrael, the Russian offered now that he's going to wipe out Klai Yisrael and he's going to take Moshe Rabbeinu instead. Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, I'm not interested in that. Right? What I'm interested in is saving Klai Yisrael. And if not, I'm not worthy of being mentioned. I don't see myself having any value. So let's just take, get, take, me out, take me out of the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole picture. There is... The Mitzvah took place, but Moshe was not relevant because I'm not, if I didn't accomplish this thing that I'm trying to accomplish now, everywhere until now, I don't see it, it's, it's purposeless. So taking Moshe out, out of one parsha, how does that fulfill what Moshe was? Moshe gave himself, as it were, some type of a klala, and even though he did it on the condition that. If Hashem destroys Klaisa, which was not fulfilled, because I'll say, Achilles Chacham, I feel like Tanai, he bought. When a Chacham gives a Klaala, 
even if he makes a condition on it and the condition wasn't fulfilled, the act of making uh, making this klola has some impact. So why is this enough of an impact to say you fulfilled the klola? So Mamanashar, he doesn't get it. So that's his two questions. So he bases it on something which he heard from the Izbitzer, um, who was the Talmud of, of the Kutzker. Um, and he's based on a Gomorrah in Babakama, which at the first glance is a very interesting Gomorrah. So, the Gomorrah goes to the whole story, which is found in Sefer Shmuel, that David was thirsty for, for water, and he said, if somebody can bring me water from the, 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 the spring in Beis Lechem, which right now was and the twelve pleased him, so um, he was he wanted that. And they went and fought to, to get it, and they endangered themselves in their life. And David decided not to drink it and poured the water on them as a carbon to Hashem. Okay, so Samora says on this that Samora says why didn't he want to drink it? He had asked for it before, so. Um, now the more says the story goes like this: that uh, it's on the third page, page computes. It's the middle of that paragraph. So the psukim sounds like he's, he wanted water, and he got the water and he poured the water on the, uh, uh, as a, as a carbon tushan. So the more says it's not referring to the water is not referring to physical water; it's referring to the water of Torah. The Melech had a shiloh. What he wanted it was the Psak and Torah. David had a halachic shadow which was difficult. They had to fight through the enemy lines to reach back to the Sanhedrin to get a Psak. That's the, that's the, the actual story which took place, the Mara said. Nothing to do with water. So now, so what do you mean that David didn't want to drink the water? So, okay, what Moore says, not, when he gave over the law, he did not say it over, he did not say it over in the name of these three individuals. Even though they were the ones who had immersed in Nefesh to get the halacha, so that he should have said it, he should have been meyachas the halacha to them, he didn't do so. And the Moore says, why not? Because a person who puts himself into Zakana to get a get a Dvar Torah, which sounds like a nice thing, um, the opposite is true, and you know it's not said over halacha So the simple reading of Gemara is it's a punishment; they did something which is inappropriate, and um, therefore they're punished. The Shabbos said they can't be shot. Don't tell them to go. You can't turn around, you know, like, guys, you know, <laughs> you know, like, who will do this for me? He said, okay, very nice. And, and I, I, I didn't really mean it. <laughs> so, so, so what does that mean? So that's why um, uh, it doesn't mean that. So uh, at the bottom of that page, the Pasha's Mazurba Ba'in is the bottom care paragraph. Ba'inish, the Mishal Samai, the Lord Roy, shall seek on Chaya on the Mishlaikadin. The Pashat it seems to mean it was, a, it was it's, it, we're giving some, el, meeting out some type of punishment 
the person did something inappropriate by undertaking a, a dangerous life-threatening mission for Tivrei Torah. She can also law them l'sakhen as eschayim there's only three th- mitzvahs we have in the Yarim Yavor, and it's not one of them. So that'd be the simple reading of, of what's going on, um, and that's not true. Um, but he says in the next paragraph that uh, that's not that can't be correct. You find that more and more talks about where it is appropriate to do it. Um, and you know, Rekiva was much in effort to learn Torah, even. I guess the Romans agree, even though his life was being threatened, you find places where we do that. Um, so, the end of that 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 section, the Nachal Shalazu, Bear Rabbish Rabsadik is a Gemara. So, Rabsadik is quoting his Rabbi. The Gemara is saying the, the exact opposite of what we just thought. It's not an Arnish. Kimisha Gia Ladarga Shal, Messiris Nefesh. He saw the darga ha'ola me'ever the shame shalot. So see, Mishnah Dvar Alachazeh l'anim remishmat. So what does that mean? My pesha the word. It says when we say something over somebody's name, we're certain. What we're really saying, in a certain sense, is this person contributed to this tzvatar. Um, I would suggest that. The Bershom gave Torah, and the Bershom gave everybody a, a unique perspective, which allows them to, to, to find that part of the Torah which Bershom has hidden there. But from my unique perspective of everything that I have, I'm able to see that facet of Torah which someone else doesn't see. So uh, my name is, captures my essence. The name is, a person's name is, is supposed to, to capture the essence of the individual. My name generated this Dvartara. Therefore, the Dvartara is said in my name. Okay? So, and that's, that's a tremendous accomplishment. But, in a certain sense, let me, let me take a step back. We spoke about this one time, the idea of Kabbal Khamer. Kabbal Khamer is not fully logical. Kabbal Khamer sounds like a logical thing. Right? If A is, A, if A is weaker and has this, this Khamer of B, which is stronger, we should have the Khamer. But that's not 100% correct. Kabbal Khamer is a Lachum Moshe Messinai. Why do you need a Lachum Moshe Messinai for that? The answer is because if the Russian is writing a law book and he put a law somewhere and he put it somewhere else, who am I to come along and say he really meant to both places? He put it here, not there. Only if he tells him, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to write everything. I'm just not going to write everything. Uh, I'm writing a law book, and, I, and I'm, I, I know how your thought process works. And I, I, I trust that you will figure out when I write it over here that logic dictates it belongs over here as well. So I'm putting the, in the book up front an arrangement that you're part of the picture. I'm relying on the reader to extrapolate. That's part of how he wrote the book. But only, the reader only has the right to do that if that's how I set up the book. I set up the book that I'm writing where it is and where it is at the end of the conversation. So he, well, I extrapolate. That's very nice. 
but it's just on your business. So you know, once you see that, tell me they have a right to extrapolate. So, so that's a tremendous thing that, that the Bershom wrote this, the, the Torah, relying that I can come along based on everything which he, he gave me, my intelligence, my background, my upbringing, my perspective, my, my way I think, etc. I'm going to find this facet of Torah which he, he embedded there, which maybe only my, myself with my unique set of circumstances are going to notice that facet. So therefore it's my Torah. So that's a beautiful thing, the human being gets to be part of the process. But a certain, there's a, I tainted as a strong word, but there's a certain element of the fact that the human being is part of the process makes it human to some extent. But imagine I can reach a madrega, such a madrega, where instead of me being part of the process, I'm zerkered to jump to Shemayim and see the, see the process in Shemayim. That would be a much bigger madrega. So I'm not really contributing anything. So I'm just watching the process play out in Shemayim. But I contributed to that, or, you know, in a certain sense, I was zerkered to see that. That halacha over there, I'm not, I didn't contribute to. So why would you say the halacha my name? I didn't generate it. I just witnessed it. So there's a madrega where it's mismal of the dargar lo me'eber l'shem shalot. The shame is we're capturing the essence, the essence of the individual. And the Bershom made our essence in such a way that allows us to understand Torah. But that Torah, at the end of the day, is limited to the, to the human essence. My human essence allows me to see this halacha, and in a certain sense that halacha is going to be limited by me. The human input is limiting. There's times that, sometimes that the darga goes beyond my name. And that's what the word means. So, she said like this. The next paragraph, he talks about this idea that a person's name represents his essence. The word says, the Golomi Rav, it's almost from Nosson, I think. The Golomi Rav is Rebbe. Godlomi Rebbe is Rabon, like Rabban Gamliel. Godlomi Rabon, Shmoy. So we talk about Hill and Shammai. You don't talk about Rebbe Hill or Rabban Hill and Rabban Shammai. We could have said that. The Rabban, they don't deserve the title of Rabban or Rebbe. Oh, yeah, Yankel. Yeah, Yankel. Yankel. He said, Oh, Yankel. He's Rebbe Yankel to you, young man, or he's Rebbe. He ain't Yankel. And Hill, you okay calling Hill Hill? Somewhere it says Golomi Rabban the the the, the, the says that greater than even the title Rabban is the title Shmoy, person's own name. So Rabbi says, what does that mean? That that a name represents it captures the essence of the person. So I can theoretically find individual which is so extraordinary, so unique, putting a title on him just doesn't, doesn't really do justice. But when I say his name, you conjure up everything that you know, all of the facets of the person. That, that, that. So his name is a greater title of greatness than the label. 
So that's what, that's what because the name captures who the person is. When I say the name, so and so, and that picture that you're going to develop in your mind by just saying the name is much greater than any label you could put in him. So don't put any labels on him. Um, so, okay. So now that's the person's name. Um, imagine the idea. Some page could go about top paragraph. A shame about this. Get the name. Is expresses the essence of the, of the individual. When a person is able to go beyond his his being, expand beyond that. His name is too small. It expresses the essence of the person. His 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 essence. But if I'm willing to take my ani, he's mercy never is the Torah. He understands the Torah is so important that he's willing to give away his whole being for that. That moment, he's moved beyond his ani. He's taken his ani and put it in perspective. This is not as important as the Torah. So you can't describe the Torah at that point in time as being him, because the Torah, he himself just declared very much that the Torah is greater than him. He's, he's negated his ani. So if there's no ani, there's no name. So he's, he's jumped into something greater than himself. So we're not going to say it over Bishmai because that, that doesn't do justice to what he, what he just envisioned, what he understood. Um, so he says it in the next paragraph. So the Ismitzer the, the explains. It wasn't a punishment. You cannot just call them by their, their personal name and that's describing who they are. They're much greater than that. Whatever that represents, they move beyond that. So he uses the muscle. There's a source of Hashpon Shemaim which is coming through them. So they're part of the picture. But rather, they went and saw, they went and moved to where the source is, which they're not part of. And that's what the more means. Um, so the psaac isn't and his, and his chaveirim 
The Pesach is the Kodesh Baruch talking. You've reached a madrega that you are just a mouthpiece for a Kodesh Baruch which is an extraordinary madrega, way beyond you understanding and bringing out that facet. You've went way beyond that, that all you are is just an expression of a Kodesh Baruch you're, you're a, a vehicle where Hashem will express himself through you, but you, you, you're, you have no input. Who, was, who else was like that? That's Moshe Rabbeinu. So Moshe Rabbeinu was moist himself. He's willing to give himself away um, to, to, to save Kali Yisrael. So even Moshe Rabbeinu that act was so of self-sacrifice was so extraordinary that the name Moshe doesn't have what he is anymore. He is greater than Moshe. He's Moshe Looking at him as just an, a, an individual, albeit an extraordinary individual, doesn't really have who he is. He's Kalyas, sir. He's moved beyond, well, the limitations of just his own being. So... Um, we still haven't answered why this parsha, but that's what's happening over here. Moshe Rabbeinu's act of mysterious nefesh, which the more we were quoting before, seems to say, is being mysterious nefesh the Torah is not right. Which and then Rosh flipped it around and says it is right. And not saying the, the based on the person's name is not of Einish. It's a recognition of the person has moved way beyond just himself. So Moshe Rabbeinu is the same thing. Now, why, why Parshas the Sabbath? Okay. Um, okay, so Adobin Asim Dabka Parshas Zuh. Page So it happened here. She can't move it out. Um, so Rashi back in Parsha Shmuri says that Moshe Benu Aaron Achicha Halevi is Yosef the Grasachim. So why call him Aaron Achicha Halevi? So Rashi says it was really the plan was that you should be the Kohen and he should be the Levi. So Aaron was supposed to be the Levi and Moshe was supposed to be the Kohen. And in this parsha, um, he's vitra al kachla Aaron This is the parsha that describes the act of making designating Aaron as the guy. And Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, "I could have been that guy, and now I'm giving it over to my brother." So that's an act. Again, an act of um, of Messias Nefesh. The should have been his. And he's forgoing that for somebody else. So that's an act of mysterious nefesh in the sense that he's negating himself for, for somebody else. But Shubainu did the same thing for Claudius. So the parsha which talks about the idea that when one negates oneself, the person becomes greater than just his name. This is the parsha where that took place. Because the same way Moshe Benu did this for Klai, so Moshe Benu is, as it were, is doing, doing this for Aaron and Kayin. 
So it's again the same concept of Moshe Rabbeinu reaching beyond his physical, his limitations of Moshe into the greater beyond. So we don't mention his name. Alta Sheva to Moshe Rabbeinu. Person has a name. People have different names. They have the name of the parents gave them, the name that their friends called them, the name the Kosh calls them. So that's the Medrash. The Rabbi Weinroth, who was concluding the, the, the Rimsalik. Person can, as it were, those names are quite individualized. They belong to the individual. A person stays as an individual, that's, that's how we describe them. There are people which become greater than themselves. They become part of the, the greater, the, the, the greater Seabur in, in the present sense or in the future sense, they become part of the, the fabric of the history of Kla Yisrael. At that point in time, they're functioning beyond themselves. An example is that the process of, of, of Mysterious Nefesh to take yourself out of the picture to, for the greater good. You are now part of something greater than yourself, so you're using your name. This doesn't 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 describe it anymore, because that would be, be looking at you as an as an individual. So you are an extraordinary individual, but what you've done is, is given up your individuality for the greater good. So you are now are part of that greater reality. That's the Kiddush. Uh, that was the, the, what Moshe Rabbeinu was accomplishing over here. Um, that's the piece. I'll tell you, just add, add one or two thoughts on it. Um, the same way this is true vis-a-vis Klai Yisrael, this is true vis-a-vis Kodesh Bordechum. Right, so we go through this, this I don't know, dichotomy. We feel very intensely the fact that we exist as an independent being distinct from everybody else and distinct from a Kodesh Baruch The Bershah gave us that feeling. That existence has a time limit. Part of the the person's most basic most basic desire is to exist. That's so we have number of people who went through the mechamas, etc. You know, their deepest wish. Don't forget us. Remember us. You know, we, don't we shouldn't be, be be left behind as if we never walked the face of the earth. People spend fifty million million dollars to put their name on some building, you know, in some college somewhere because they want their name to exi- continue. Our most basic need is existence. And we tie existence to our name. So that's who we are. So if my name is remembered, I'm re- I still exist in some way. Or so, but the reality is that's not true. You don't really exist. <laughs> How do you exist? Because Baruch is, 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 this, is existence. 
as much as a human being connects his being to Kadosh Baruch Hu, the Bershom gave us the, the perception of independent existence. As much as we negate that and see our, our existence as part of a Kadosh Baruch Hu's existence, we bring ourselves back to a Kadosh Baruch Hu in that sense, then we have existence. Then we move the existence beyond what we are to something greater than ourselves. So the person is moister nefesh for tarot. It's not that he's just, as it were, being moister nefesh for the greater of Klai Yisrael. He's moister nefesh for Bershom's tarot. He's, he's taking himself out of the picture for the Bershom. So at that point in time, he becomes part of that existence. That's a much greater accomplishment than having my name remembered. Now, we don't necessarily see it in this world, but in the world to come, the way that plays out is that the human being is nifter and he will exist eternally because he's part of, he's connected to Hashem's existence. And if he hasn't, he cannot exist internally because the human being doesn't have, have an intrinsic existence. And the existence which is given here in this world is no longer relevant. So, game over. So the whole process of Avodah Hashem <laughs> is more than just doing Torah mitzvahs. It's seeing that as, as a part of this process of giving over my being to Kadosh Baruch Um A very weak analogy, right? A couple gets married, and there's the husband and the wife, and they continue to be very nice to each other, and etc., etc., etc. But they perceive, but each one perceives himself as, as individually, or they could see themselves as being greater than the, the, the sum of the two parts. They become a unit. So there's a certain amount of negation of oneself to accomplish that by definition. But the result is you get something bigger and greater than yourself. So that same idea expanded multifold vis-a-vis Kodesh Baruch Hu. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure that, you know, I'm not coming to argue what, what, what Sadiq is saying. The, the, the Kayan was the individual which, as it were, is no say the Shem Hashem here in this world. So Moshe Rabbeinu was said to be that, it was intended to be that individual, means he was intended to have this role. The role was given to Aaron. The, the, the Parsha says, oh, must be Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't able to reach that darga of being beyond himself. Um... The, the, there's a fascinating Gemara, the more it's a Gemara in Yuma, the more it says that nobody's allowed to be in the, in the Kaddish Kedoshim when the current Gadol goes inside. The more it says, well, well the current, current Gadol is there. There's no Ish allowed to be in there. But what about the current Gadol? The more says, current Gadol's not an Ish. He's, he's a mile. He's greater than himself. So, you can mistakenly think the Moshe Rabbeinu didn't get the kahuna because he couldn't reach that madrega. So the parsha where the kahuna is given to Aaron 
we dafka say Moshe Rabbeinu Adarab was greater to the point that his name doesn't exist anymore. He's just part of the greater reality of Kadosh Baruch Hu. So the, the place to be madgish, what Moshe Rabbeinu had accomplished with his act of Messias Nefesh, and his general commitment to Klai Yisrael, to Kadosh Baruch Hu, but there's, not, there's no Moshe Rabbeinu. He's not an entity which is relevant to Moshe Rabbeinu. What's relevant to Kadosh Baruch Hu is, to Moshe Rabbeinu is Kadosh Baruch Hu. And the best place to, to write that is in a parasha where Moshe Rabbeinu, as it were, was creating somebody else to do that. The other writes in one place, he says that one of the biggest challenges you have in the Vodas Hashem, one of the many challenges you have in the Vodas Hashem is jealousy. Everybody wants to be successful in their field, and when somebody else is being more successful than them, it's painful. You want to be successful. So, if I'm successful in learning, somebody's more successful than me, potentially that could be painful. That's if I see myself as myself, and him as himself, so there's somebody who's better than me. I, I mentioned this, I did to you. So, Rabbi Ozzie Burnham, his father and I were Kharusas and Tells, Rabbi Burnham. So, we were Kharusas for uh, like two years, I think. At one time, Rabbi said to me, says, this jealousy thing, he doesn't get the jealousy thing. Because promoting a base matters, somebody else is learning, and they're learning seriously, etc. They're bringing conclusions to the base matters. So I just gained by his learning. The other person had no need to define himself vis-a-vis anybody else. So my goal here is to learn. So if you're learning successfully, I am growing, so I'm thankful. So that idea expanded that there's no me, there's no you. There's the Torah. And the more successful you are, the more Torah there is, and therefore the more that everybody benefits. So what's to be jealous about? But that's because you took the knee out of the picture. You become greater than yourself. But the person stuck in his ani, it's, uh, it can become uncomfortable when there's somebody else's ani who's next to you, which is bigger than yours. Right? Yeah, some, people, some people are bothered by that. So Ben Yoder writes, on the one hand, that if a person who is um, upset Jealous when other people are mitzvah and about Hashem, he's called he's called a sunny Hashem, and he doesn't have a nice thing to say about people who are sunny Hashem. Reb Chaskel wrote like this, and he said, "If it doesn't bother you at all, don't think because you're big tzaddik. It means what Hashem is so not important to you that you're not jealous of it. The guy has more money than me. Oh my gosh, it kills me. He's." He gets, he's more, gets more covered in the shul, that kills me. He goes, I'm living there, okay, no, no. So what, you know what you're saying? Learning isn't so important to you. Because it's really important to you, it would bother you. But if it bothers you, you're starting Hashem. Bala Musa, get you coming and going, you can't, you know, get, you can't win. He says, because if I'm, if I'm a, a general in, in, in the king's army, and I love the king, and I care about the king, I'm very happy when the, the army is doing great 
and their company don't have to compensate, irregardless of where, where I stand, because it's not about me, it's about helping the king. But, but, and if, if, if I focus on about, it's about me, I'm Be'etzim, in a certain sense, it's treasonous to be the king. It's not about the king, what the king needs, it's about what I want, what I gain. So if I'm sitting there and, and, and uh, I, I want to usher in as many people as possible and move them ahead of me because it's not about me. That's what Ben Yoda writes. So the that's this idea that w- w- when you do that, it's not about me. So I tap into this greater reality. So I'm, I'm, I'm part of something much bigger than myself, which is an extraordinary not the first one, is also a good thing. Right? It's, it's an accomplishment. It's, it's, this step is hard. But that's really what the goal we're going to go. Okay. Thank you.